We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. You know, it's no secret that I call myself a teacher-centered principal. Just as it's no secret that I talk an awful lot about supporting, engaging, and empowering those I serve. That's why this conversation with Dr. Joy Caravitas is absolutely the kind of conversations we need to be having every day in education. You see, Dr. Caravitas talks about changing education, but she talks about the need to research where we are headed instead of where we are, and then asking the right questions to make successful change for the future. Because change for the future must be based on who the system is serving. Hey everyone, Dr. Jones with another episode of Seeing to Lead, where we talk about unraveling the issues in education today so that we can have a better educational experience tomorrow. When I talk about the idea of being teacher-centered, if we want teachers to perform at the highest level possible so that they serve students to the best of their ability, as leaders, we need to ensure that we are equipping our teachers with all the tools, resources, and knowledge they need to get that done. Once we work to empower them, we need to know it's not just about letting everyone do their own thing all the time. It needs to be within a framework. Enter Dr. Joy Caravitas. You have to hear her talk about her diagram of a tree to simplify the process of creating structures in which teachers can thrive. I promise it makes so much sense and it's so clear that it'll answer a lot of your questions. Change isn't always easy, but if we truly wish to support those we serve and change the systems around us for the better... We need to make sure that we're performing at a level that we need to be performing at. Because as Dr. Caravitas points out, if you're spending a lot of time and energy trying to get out of a place, you probably aren't leading very well where you are. That's only some of the great nuggets of wisdom Dr. Caravitas leaves with the listeners on this week's episode of Seeing to Lead. Check it out. You won't be sorry if you want to hear how to better engage and empower everyone, but specifically teachers. And remember, as always, there's a lot of value that you're going to hear over the course of this episode. Make sure you share your biggest takeaway on social by tagging me and Dr. Caravitas. And then subscribe. Leave an honest rating and review so that more people can benefit just like you. Well, enough from me. Let's hear from Dr. Caravitas on Seeing to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it, 
dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Take a look at the work you're doing. Don't look at the, your title, your position. Look at the work you're doing and the influence you have on those around you. Not just those that you are immediately leading that might directly report to you, but the, those who they're leading, those who the next level is leading. Look at your influence. And it's important. Each of us has influence. Each of us is making change. And we look at that. I think that can be encouraging to us to really take the time to understand that there's value in that, no matter where you are, no matter what role you're in, no matter what school you're in, no matter what position you play, they're all valuable. So if we look at the work we're doing, we're making a difference. You're making a difference, each one of you. And know that and keep up the good work. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Karavitas is an experienced leader with over 25 years of executive-level leadership in independent schools and nonprofits. With a master's in education and a doctorate in organizational leadership, Dr. Karavitas actively teaches as a professor at bachelor's and master's levels. She currently holds the position of Director of Research and New Program Development at Orange Lutheran High School, where she is responsible for development and oversight of the school's flexible learning options and pathways exploring innovation in education. With a strong academic and research focus on development of middle management leaders for the next level leadership, Dr. Karavitas has multiple publications and presentations on a variety of topics, including Becoming Your Own Leader, Impact and Influence of Mid-Level Leaders, Hiring, Training, and Retaining Teachers, Women in Leadership, Developing Teacher Leaders, and Team Building 101, and more. After multiple academic publications, Dr. Karavitas has recently published her first book, From Striving to Thriving, as a Practical Guide for Growth in Leadership and Life. Dr. Karavitas is also the owner of Karavitas Coaching and Consulting, which provides individual and organizational coaching and consulting for leaders and teams at all levels. I promise the listeners, this is going to be a great conversation because 
For me personally, Dr. Karavides' beliefs about helping leaders develop into better leaders and just the title of her book, From Striving to Thriving, has me really excited to hear everything she has to say, right down to a similar philosophy using three similar words that we're about to hear more about. So, Dr. Karavides, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. Glad to be here. Joy, and we had talked before, so you said, call you Joy, just like I tell people, call me Chris. You know, when I when I read your bio, Director of Research and New Programmings for inner Innovation in the High School, I've heard all kinds of different titles, but I've never heard that type of title in a high school. So could you just tell the listeners what that entails? Oh, yeah, happy to. Actually, I will ha- have to give you the backstory a little bit. Before I became this senior, uh, I have to remember, this is actually a new title, Director of Innovation and New Program Development. I was the Director of Individualized Academic Programs, also a long title. And so uh, when our chief of school and I sat down to talk about, we need to kind of work on the title. We took one long title and exchanged it for another. But looking at what is the work that I really want to do, the really work that we really want to do as a school, and I think it speaks a lot to Orange Lutheran High School and the vision they have for the future of education and how they want to educate students is we know that education is changing. We know that we're not doing this things the same way we did even five years ago, but we need to start looking at the future and what does that hold and where are we going to go? We don't want to be caught and say, oh, we should be doing online. Orange Lutheran has been doing online for 20 years, by the way. We should be doing high flex. We should be offering our uh, little more project-based learning. We want to be able to look at what's happening out there. And so what I get to do that I think is just wonderful. What I, what they've asked me to do is start looking at what are the trends, researching trends, uh, researching our demographics in our own area for what our population around surrounding Orange County and surrounding our school, what are we looking for? And then how does that fit in with our mission and vision as a school? Are there things we're missing? Are there things we want to tweak and develop? Maybe things we want to add, maybe things that we want to get rid of. And then just sort of lead those, lead the charge to kind of continue what we just celebrated our 50 year anniversary. It's kind of lead the charge for the next 50 years to, I won't be here for 50 years, but where's the school going in in that time? And it's exciting. It's really an exciting place to be. That is really exciting. And, you know, one of the things that starts to get me going and I'm thinking in all different directions is you're talking about leading the charge and the future of education, right? Because especially post-pandemic, how there's the argument now between go back to the way that things were and know there were good changes. You mentioned that your school has been online for 20 years and they have your position to go out and research trends. How do we, how do we get there? I think if you talk to a lot of leaders, we know education has to change. If you talk to parents, they know education has to change and, and students are dying for education to change. But how do we get there rather than pockets to big picture so it spreads around the country? That's an excellent, excellent question. <laughs> I don't know that I have all the answers. I'll just be honest with that. I think that's really the question we all need to start with, though. We need to start asking in our own individual schools, our own individual cities and states, because we all come from different areas. Our school is located in Orange County, California. I was also principal of a school up in Twin Falls, Idaho at one point. Very different demographics, very different 
needs, very different wants. And I think you have to start with there. Who are the, who are the students and families that you are serving? Cause I do believe we are serving them. And who, what does that look like? And so when we're seeing, you know, po- you explore population trends and job trends and things like that, as well as what's happening in education and then see, you have to make sure that it fits to your mission. But as we're going to grow, I think you're, we should encourage schools to start continuing to be willing to explore, willing to explore what fits them. I, when you were asking the question, what kept coming in, and I know we're going to talk about this later about the equip, empower, engage. We need to do that as a school. It's not going to happen overnight. So we need to start getting ready. That's where the research piece comes in. That's where looking at market trends. That's where looking at educational trends get, we need to equip ourselves. We should be attending conferences. We should be reading. We should be looking at uh, what's out there and, and equipping ourselves before we can kind of be empowered to kind of move to whatever those next things are. The problem with a lot of that is as leaders, and you know that most of us are on school campuses, we're busy, we're doing things every day. Our campus has nearly 1,500 students on campus, and then we're adding additional students online um, that a lot of, most of our students do both online and on campus, but we have several other schools and part, partner schools with us that are just online. So it's a large number of students to have to manage every day, make sure they get through the lunch line, make sure that they're uh, in classes and our teachers are well-equipped and well-prepared. And then let's throw on talking about the future on top of that. You know, yeah. it, it's a lot. It's a lot. So um, it is definitely a lot. It's not going to happen overnight. And I think we give ourselves a little bit of permission to kind of take our time and ease into that because you don't want to jump into something without having at least full knowledge of how it's going to, or at least some knowledge. I don't know, full knowledge, but some knowledge of what that's going to fit into your, your school culture and climate. So I, I find it interesting, and just to make sure that I'm repeating this back correctly, the whole idea for this to, to spread is about, obviously, it's clearly tied to your demographics and the needs of where you are. There are certain areas that are equipped, if I dare hit that word again, to handle different changes at different rates and in different ways that look differently. But the thing is, when you, when you answered that, I, and I just want to make sure that's that's where you're approaching it from, right? That everything's going to be different because it's definitely centered at your home. I love that you jumped in on equip, empower, engage, because that's where I was going to go. I was going to say, so let's talk about the that system that you have or those three steps that you have as it pertains to in schools and moving forward, trying to get students ready for the future and get schools to educate students for the future. Now, you you had told me that you... Had it as enable, empower, engage, but you changed that first word from enable to equip. So why don't we start there? Yeah, I did. Actually, that's actually a recent change. If anybody who is at the uh, D2L conference in Anaheim just in this past summer probably heard me use enable, empower, engage. And so it's actually been a very recent change within ju- just the last you know month or two. I was told... After that conference, actually, not uh, by somebody else and a couple of people say enable that enable sometimes has a negative connotation in this day and age that we are maybe, I like your word support, but maybe with enable, it's like that maybe we're doing the work for people or maybe we're coming along time uh, side and giving 
changing the work so it looks different and so that they're able to be able to do things. And so this, and that's not really where I was wanting this to go. When I talk about, when I move from enable to equip, I think equip is actually a better word for what my points are, is that we really want to make sure that our teachers primarily, when I use this, it's typically talking about teachers, but as we can move it to a bigger stage with leaders and others, that we have the equip our leaders, equip our teachers, that they have the skills, the abilities, the resources, the knowledge, the equipment to be able to perform their role at the highest level possible. And if we're talking about teachers, I think that the role of equipping is their leaders and administrators that they need to be in their kind of equipping, helping to equip them might be the role of induction teachers, mentor teachers as well. It's a cycle that's kind of ongoing. If we're talking about a school system, it's really that equip portion would be not only equipping teachers, but it's going to be equipping students and parents and families to understand where, where is education heading? What are, what is our school culture and what do we think about those things? And just sort of equipping. It's that background. It's that foundation that I believe you really have to start there. In my mind, the equip, empower, engage actually is the, the order matters. And I think equipping, making sure that they have that uh, foundation is important. When you're talking about equipping, I think of the leader that, you know, you had said before, you got to get the kids through the, to, through the lunch line and make sure kids get on buses and things like that. When you're talking about equipping, what does that look like day to day for an instructional leader or a principal or a, like you had said, a mentor? I think it's, I think we, think we know what equipping looks like because I think we do it pretty well in some schools. Equipping is what we normally think of as professional development, I think. I think that's what we normally think of as, you know, are we providing, teaching about instructional strategy? Are we teaching pedagogy? Are we looking at um, educational technology within within the classroom, both in hardware and software and in training? It's the, are we equipping our leaders with leadership development and how do we, you know, communication and, you know, active listening? Are we looking at emotional intelligence when we're talking with our leadership? Some of those aspects, that's the equipping. To me, that's the, the developmental piece, the development of teachers, the development of our leaders and helping to equip them there. It's, it's somewhat ongoing, but it's also foundational. I mean, uh, you know, we don't learn all the instructional instructional strategies before the start of day one and now we know everything and can move on. <laughs> you know, it, it's something we'd come back to, but without starting there, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to empower favorably, I would say. Awesome. No, that's that's great. So, and you left right with empower. It leads right into that next word when you're telling me that order matters. And people sometimes have different ideas of empowerment. We, you know, we, we joked about that a little bit before we hit record. But once you've equipped people, you, you want to empower them. So what does that look like? What's, first of all, let's start at the beginning. What's your definition of empower in this scenario? And what does it look like? Well, can I tell you a story that might help a little bit better to help me kind of understand what, or help you understand where I'm going when I talk about empowerment? Because I, before I get there, I said, empowerment isn't me. We're just letting loose everybody go, do whatever you want. And there's got to be 
some direction and accountability to in all, in all of that as well. But I think what I have seen in education on occasion and in other worlds too, we say we're empowering people, especially right now. It's a huge buzzword in business and everywhere. We, we, we're going to empower you, make your own decisions, go for it. Uh, I see in, in teaching and in the school systems, I've seen this is your classroom behind in those four walls. You are empowered to do whatever you please. Make it your domain. I, we, been in a school once at one time and that had been kind of the phrase we had all used it myself too I'm sure and I was doing you know making rounds wandering around and I walk into actually a new a new teacher newer teacher first or second year and we walk into his classroom and he has students using nail guns and we've got saws out and power tools and they're building something on the wall of the classroom that's got crates and boxes and wood and as the, in my, my role as an administrator, I'm just going, this looks dangerous. <laughs> Did anybody know? And I said, what, are, you know, but we had empowered him. It's your classroom, it's your domain. It's like, what are you doing? And I can't even tell you what they were building, some sort of a fort or a standing structure of something that was going to be in the back of a classroom and this and that. And I'm just seeing 14 year olds with power tools. And it made me a, li- a bit nervous on the other end of that story. So, but I think about that. When we were equipping him, nobody told him, Hey, part of our policies or part of our school culture is we don't really want to put dangerous objects in students' hands unless we've got permission or at least somebody you've told somebody what to do, somebody about what you're doing. And we can have this as a collective decision. So when we get the parent phone calls that Johnny got heard that we, you know, we can actually have your back. So, I mean, I think that that was part of where it really hit home for me is that some of the things we assume we don't have to say, we really should say. It's really, you shouldn't be making assumptions about all of those things when you let people laugh and we say, we really want to empower you. And that, if we equip well, and we've gone over, again, pedagogy, instructional strategies, that, but also school policies, school culture, both written and unwritten. If we really equip our teachers to know things and to have a good understanding, then we can empower them to move forward. I would also say that empowerment doesn't mean we just, again, let the, let things go. I, we use a decision tree structure. I'm sure people have a decision tree. What, at what level, what decisions are they empowered to make on their own? Where should they ask somebody? Where are things that we need a bigger collective effort? You know, what are those things? So I think there's a kind of a structure to empowerment framework. And then there's freedom within the framework of how we do that. Now, I like that you named you named the decision tree. And so for the listeners that may not know what a decision tree is or may not have dealt with a physical one, can you talk about that a little bit? Do you have one that you provide for teachers? Is it the spoken word? What does that look like? Well, we are actually newly developing our new decision tree. In the past, it's been pretty much just spoken word in the training. These are, you know, we give a few examples. All of our new teachers have a mentor teacher along with them for their first semester plus of teaching. So they have somebody to kind of come alongside to ask questions of. So they're not always going to the administrator, which can be scarier. So we do have, but it's been a lot more informal, quite frankly. What I use now or what we're moving to, and I will 
honestly say we haven't put all of our decisions into the matrix because that's really difficult. And it's something that you build on ongoing. But I use it an actual tree metaphor. So we use the decision tree and I, I fully disclose, full disclosure, I got this off the internet somewhere. I got a graphic of it and I said, this makes so much sense to me. We're bringing this in. I don't even know who used it. I just saw it in a graphic somewhere. But as a decision tree is an actual tree. And so you have leaf decisions, which are those low level level decisions. You are free to make those every day, any day. Those are the teacher in the classroom. You don't have to ask anybody about them, tell them that you do it. A lot of these have to do with, you know, your teaching methods and maybe how you're, you know, planning your lesson that day, things like that. Next level, the branch level decisions. Those are going to be a little bit, you still can act on them. You can still make the decision, but you probably ought to inform somebody if you're going to do it. You inform them to say, hey, I'm, I'm changing the order of my class lessons today. I'm, you know, or I'm not going to do, I'm only going to do history on Fridays or, you know, you should set, tell somebody this is what I'm going to do. What are those branch level decisions of how you're going to, uh, you know, make those decisions? Then the next level would be trunk level. These, that's a get permission first decision. You know, we're not going to teach the civil war in history anymore. I'm going to keep using history as my example. Uh, or I'm, we're going to use a different type of assessment. Not saying you can't do that. Think it might be a good decision, but let's talk with somebody about it, you know, in first. And so then we get, and then the final one would be root level decisions. So these are big decisions. They're going to involve a lot of people. Typically they're like curricular decisions, things of that nature, where you're going to have a lot more ideas involved. But I think the tree level, it, when I saw the picture of it, I, I thought this made sense to me. And I think it's an easy enough model that we can explain to people as they go. Now, every school is different. And as you build out your matrix of what's a leaf decision, a branch decision, a trunk decision, et cetera, that might not look the same for every every school. It might not look the same for every teacher or every person because your newer teachers might have a few more leaf and branch decisions. I mean, a few fewer leaf and branch decisions they may need to have uh, a few more of the trunk decisions where they have to ask people about them first. And then sometimes that shifts as you go. That's a fantastic analogy. I would encourage anybody that's listening to this to hit pause so that they can get a pencil and write it down. (laughs) (laughs) That works perfect. It it does. Isn't that, it, it does. That's why I wish whoever's out there and put it on the internet at some point and just, I would give you, I would continue to give you credit if I knew who you were, because it makes so much sense. There you go. And edge borrowing works. So yeah, there you go. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. 
So, you know, it's interesting because in your three words, like my three words are support, engage, and empower. And I have empowering as the last step after engaging. And you have engaging after empowering. So could you talk to us a little bit about that and and why the engage piece is the last part of your order? Oh, I'd love to. And I actually was, would love to talk to you why you use support too and why that's first. But I do, I'm, you know, it's kind of gets circular. So engage, I think, and I have found, if you equip people, they know what they're supposed to do. They understand their role, their responsibility, the culture. They understand the job. They understand the principles. They understand the mission and vision. They're well-equipped. They are bought in to that. They have good understanding. You've empowered them to move forward and to work within their skill set that you've equipped them to. You've empowered them to make some decisions. You've, they're clear at what they can do and they, what they should ask for assistance in. You've empowered them without micromanaging, without coming in and telling them exactly how to do it. You've given them a little bit of freedom to be create, creative and to really kind of have that dominion over their own domain. You give them that. I think engagement's easy. I think what you then have is somebody who owns their work. They own their, they understand the mission and vision and where we're going together as a school and they want to be engaged. I think engagement comes almost naturally after that. And so then the engagement piece really focuses more on connection and community and collaboration and continuing to bring people into that, you know, equip and empower your, the circle to continue to help them do what they've already been doing. And so I find that when they own it, with if you in, equip and empower, then you get more ownership and ownership. People who own something, they want to engage because their name's on it. So, and I, and I love that. I love how that, that just makes so much sense because it, it addresses head on, if I'm understanding it right, the riddle of how do we get staff members engaged? And how it's always a struggle to get people engaged, students engaged in the classroom. You're, you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm repeating back what you're saying right, that engagement is much more easy to achieve or you, maybe it's much more difficult to achieve if they are not equipped and empowered first. And so it's almost, I don't want to go as far as to say a fool's errand to try and continually get them engaged without doing those first, but maybe it is. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a fool's errand, but I would say you're going to have much more difficulty doing it. I mean, think about it. If you um, have the tools and you're given over to say, this is your project, whether you're a student, it's your school project, or it's a teacher and it's your classroom, this is for you. you these are the tools. You can do that. Go for it. Do the, do what, but you're also held accountable to it. This is the results are yours also. We're going to celebrate and cheer with you. And if not, we're going to look and see how do we make this better? They're putting their name on it. It's theirs. And I think that ownership piece becomes huge. And so why wouldn't you want to ensure that you're going to do, do the work well? So from striving to thriving, title your book. And these three words sound like some things that you've experienced over your career. And from striving to thriving is also about your personal journey mixed into the, to the to the pages talk to the listeners a little bit about where 
the book comes from, why you wrote the book, and what it means to you. So I. (laughs) That's good when you start with an audible like, oh. It's still it's still new. The book launched in March, and so it's still pretty new to me. And when we when I talk so passionately about equip, empower, and engage, it's not because oh I've got it all figured out. (laughs) It's because I've lived through it, and that's what the book is a result of my doctoral journey, my uh, doctoral research and my passion has been for those who are in mid-level positions, the assistant principals, the directors, the those who are in that uh, middle position where you have people who are following you and you're responsible to them, but you have people above you that you're responsible to as well. And you find yourselves in this, in this mid-level area. And that's been my passion. And my doctoral research focused on how those people learn to develop the leadership skills they need at the next level. And we often tell them what the skills are they need, but how do they find the, figure out those skills um, with a focus in, at the time, higher ed leadership. And so the when I got my doctorate and I had all this information, I thought I was going to go out and take the world by storm. And every I had a story to tell and everybody would love it. And I found that the there weren't that many open doors and the world didn't really care about all things I had. So it was a bit of a journey. I spent a good while and a good long time in a place where I was striving. And I will say, I thought I knew about leadership because I've been in leadership for over 25 years, but I don't think I really understood leadership until probably the last five or six. And I was in a place where I was ready, I thought, to move into a bigger role, but I found myself in the same places that I have been in these middle level leader roles. I was eager to move forward and it wasn't happening. And so I was striving and figuring out how do I get out and what am I going to do and what is this? And, and what dawned on me, I would like to say quickly, but it wasn't, is that if you're spending so much time trying to get out of a place, you're not probably leading very well where you are. And it was true. The striving I was doing was hurting the team around me that I was actually leading. And once I was able to see that and step back and understand there is value in those places that I was in, what could I learn there? And the striving was all about looking at other people's, looking at what other people had achieved and looking at position and at title and at pay and at location and school or organization. It wasn't about the actual work. And once I was able to take my eyes off of the position or, you know, and stop striving that and look at the work I was doing, it changed the way I lead, made me a better leader, I would say. And not only that, it helped me develop those skills needed that would propel me into the the bigger roles that I now find myself in. That is such a powerful answer. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for sharing that piece of vulnerability. It's not every leader that can say, you know, I, I took my eye off the ball. I was looking down the road. And so I wasn't leading where I was. I left where I was before leaving where I was. That's a, that's a really personal, powerful thing to be able to say. So thank you very much for, for taking that moment. You're welcome. It's taken me a lot of years to be able to say that. It's, it's not easy. I, there were all the books I thought I was going to write. This is the book I knew I had to write. And it's harder to write something that comes from the heart, I think. But I think it was an important one for me. And I've enjoyed 
now that it's out, I've enjoyed the conversations that I'm having with leaders, future leaders, former leaders that I've found a community to have. Maybe I'm not the only one who's been through this before. Excellent. So we're getting close to the end of our talk. And I ask every person that comes on two questions. The first one is, if you weren't in education, who, not what would you be? Easy, easy answer. I'd be a travel writer. I love to travel and I love to write. I do actually love both of those things. And so to be able to combine those things, that would be awesome. I think we learn so much through traveling. We learn about people. We learn about culture. We learn about food and exciting things. We learn about ourselves and how well we're able to, you know, how flexible we can be. I just think it'd be a dream job. So if there's anybody out there looking for a travel writer and wants to you do that, you got hotels to stay in and great places to go. I'm there. Yeah. There you go. You know, you're the first person out of all the episodes of this show that has ever said, oh, that's an easy answer. Really? That just like, yep, just popped one off. And I love the answer. You're passionate about traveling. You're passionate about writing. Put them together and you've got your dream. Yeah, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. I haven't found out a way to monetize it yet, though. I've got to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, still, still have to put food on the table. Exactly. So, you know, you've said a lot today, Joy, about those three words and about your book and the, the genesis of your book. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders that are listening to this today to help them better support, engage, and empower those they serve? I would say, take a look at the work you're doing. Don't look at the your title, your position. Look at the work you're doing and the influence you have on those around you not just those that you are immediately leading that might directly report to you, but the those who they're leading, those who the next level is leading. Look at your influence. And it's important. Each of us has influence. Each of us is making change. And we look at that. I think that can be encouraging to us to really take the time to understand that there's value in that no matter where you are, no matter what role you're in, no matter what school you're in, no matter what position you play, they're all valuable. So if we look at the work we're doing, we're making a difference. You're making a difference, each one of you. And know that and keep up the good work. So well said, Joy. I can't thank you enough for the conversation today and coming on the show. I will definitely put a link to your book in the show notes. I think it's something that people should pick up and and make sure they go through on their leadership journey to help them improve. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you have heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. 
There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.